the paper cups inside the plastic cups. Welcome to Plastic Cups Inside Paper Cups Inside Plastic Cups. I'm Dennis Wilson, and this is... Omar Rabadi. Omar, how's it going? I'm doing good. I'm doing well. I always say good, even though for years I've been trying to remind myself to say I'm well. But well, everyone knows what I'm trying to get across. Isn't, it, isn't that the whole thing? Isn't that the whole, like, that's proper English to say well, not I, good? I, I don't know. I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I don't try to sweat that too much um I don't, I, I, perhaps it's a little bit better good maybe sounds a little uh, good but yeah. i don't think i don't i, I think you're fine <laughs> fair enough fair enough you you you're an editor and writer so if it's fine with you it's fine with me yeah well yeah well uh, the written language is meant to evolve so there's got to be a push and pull between the way people talk and the way the written language is written so um i think we're gonna we're going to ask for forgiveness instead of permission. That makes sense. That makes sense. So we're at what day 24 by my count of the lockdown at this point. Uh, well, it like sounds like you might have a count. I don't have a count, so I'm going to trust you. Yeah, let's go with it. 24 of the lockdown and nothing too much has changed since we last talked. New guidance to now wear a mask before we were being told it's counterproductive to wear a mask or it's not that helpful to wear a mask. Now it seems like it's evolved. Are you wearing a mask? Do you have a mask? Uh, yeah. So yeah, t- today is April 7th, 2020, just to, to plant us firmly in a, in a date. Um, yeah. So actually last night um, or two nights ago, like Bo, uh, my wife, uh, put like showed like she like kind of created one where it's basically you fold a piece of material and then put some she took this the elastic from some stockings and it's like you don't even need to sew anything and then then i took i took a sixers shirt that we got at the opening season of the sixers uh the sixers game we went to and it was like an extra large that i was never gonna wear you remember that you got you got one of those right yes yeah so i was like i'm never gonna wear this so I, I cut that up and I made one where the, the, the Sixers logos in front why, of me. Why are you never going to uh, wear it? Because it's not going to show off your chiseled figure? Extra large is ridiculously <laughs> big. Like, yeah, so I don't wear extra. I don't know. Do you wear extra larges? I mean, I wouldn't buy an extra large. I'm more of a medium large, but I wouldn't say I'd never. I might wear it. Not if I wanted to look nice, but, you know, I might wear it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm never wearing it. It's got that really cool uh, unite or die logo with a snake. I like the snake. I like the kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like the colonies, like revolutionary era, revolutionary era, like, like snake thing going on. I like that. I I still have the Phila unite because um as the guy from the the rights ricky sanchez podcast always says that nobody says phila everybody says philly here so why is it phila why isn't it philly unite that's fair that's fair yeah Yeah, well in any case i have a mask i do so i made a mask last night and um i used it for the first time today when i went to the grocery store across the street palm deli 
Um, because I, I, he actually, they offered me a mask last time I was in there. Cause it was like right about the time when they started recommend recommending it. He had like some like little handout masks. Um, but so I felt like, yeah, if I go into a store now, that's recommendation. I'll wear it. I don't wear it when I'm walking the dog or jogging. Cause it's like, you know, it's not like you're getting that, you know, the, the mist, the droplets, um, if you're not pretty close to somebody, but yeah, I'm, I'm now, I'm not wearing the mask. What about you? Yeah, I imagine it'd be hard to jog with it on because at least at least for me, I'm not in that great a shape. I just started jogging recently. So I'm already breathing pretty heavy. I think if I had something over my nose and mouth while I was jogging, it wouldn't be great. I tried making a mask yesterday. I just cut up a t-shirt and was hoping I could just tie the back of it together, but it doesn't it either doesn't hold together that well, or it's like I'm sort of choked by it. Like, yeah. I think I'm just going to buy one and wait for it to come in the mail. Well, I think it, yeah, you could, um, I could have I was both trying to you think, the link. Yeah. I was trying to think what household materials I would have that would be like an elastic band, but I don't think I have anything. Like that. Well, you could just do it like a bandana. If you cut that into just a, a bandana, it's just a square. So you take your t-shirt, you cut it in a square and then you fold it into a triangle and tie it in the back of your neck. I see a lot of, a lot of people wearing that. Um, everybody looks like, like when they do that, like it looks like the, like they look like bandits or something. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely weird. But, you know. I'm, wonder, I'm wondering if, like, I don't know, like, because that takes it to a whole other level. It makes it more like as you go outside, you like, oh, it just reminds you of what's going on. I wonder if, like, I got to imagine kids are, like, scared by the masks. Uh, I don't know. There's something creepy about it to me. It's definitely a reminder of what's going on in... Yeah, it's definitely a little unsettling to look at, but I imagine within a few days we'll be used to it. Yeah. Because there's a purpose so, for it, if we remind ourselves of the purpose. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Um, if, like, but yeah, somebody on, uh, I was listening to Howard Stern today, and, and Robin was saying, like, yeah, if you if you go up to a mirror and you breathe out, you can see the mirror gets covered in fog, and if you put a mask on and you breathe out, it gets covered with less fog so it's pretty straightforward yep but um i wanted to try something um so um i was like when i was putting together the podcast last week i was like it was the first time we were was editing music um into the like besides the theme song like into the podcast and i was like playing with it a little bit and i was like oh this is really like really changes everything if you just like kind of do a little bit of tweaking so i wanted to you know, you know, the, the term people use the magic of radio, I guess people don't use that term a lot anymore, but the magic of radio where you can like edit things and add some sound effects and, um, and like, and, and like kind of create a little, uh, theater of the mind. So I wanted to try that out and I'm going to need, I need Omar, I need you to react. All right. So, I'm listening. Yeah. Ready to so, react. You got to react, not just listen. So, so first, um, Omar, there's a tiger in your apartment. Okay. Oh, you want me to react? No, to there's being a tiger yeah, in my yeah. <laughs> Omar, there's a tiger in your apartment. Ah! Okay. Perfect. All right. Now, now, I'm gonna hit you with a taser. No, actually, yeah, I'm gonna hit you with a taser. 
No, a laser. A laser. I'm going to zap you with a laser. Ready? And finally, because you've been through a lot, would you like a beer? Yes. Okay. There you go. All right. So that's the magic. That's the magic of radio. I I'm looking over my shoulder for a tiger now. Yeah, it was it was all really here. It was not real. All right, should we? So I'm pretty excited. We have our first guest today. Emma, the graveyard girl, will be on shortly. <laughs> She's uh, she spent more time in a graveyard than I'd say, like the rest of Pennsylvania combined. Well, that's probably true. Yeah, I was. So I was thinking we'd call it cemetery talk. So maybe we'll let her decide. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Should we? Should yeah, we let's let's, let's dial her in. Yep. All right, so we're very excited to welcome the very first guest ever on Plastic Cups Inside Paper Cups Inside Plastic Cups. Her name is Emma Max. Emma, welcome to the podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for for calling in. Um, so just to lay lay it down, we kn- we've known Anna for quite a while, right, Omar? Yeah, at least... Eight years, nine years, something like that. Yeah, and um, Emma, uh, we met Emma through her husband Dave Asalone. They are they are married as of last year in December. Congratulations! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, so to start things off, um, can you tell us, Emma, where you work and what you do because you have a, a quite interesting job? Yeah, sure. Uh, So I am the program and operations manager at the Woodlands in West Philadelphia. And the Woodlands is a 54-acre historic cemetery. It was founded uh, originally as the estate of William Hamilton in 1770 and then later turned into a Victorian cemetery in 1840. And today it's one of the largest green spaces in West Philadelphia, and we manage it like a public park while it is still an active and working cemetery uh, that serves burial needs for the community. As program manager there, I run community events. Um, So everything from tours to volunteer cleanup days to uh, community family programming to arts festivals and lectures and movie nights. Um, We try to connect everything back to the history of William Hamilton's estate or to uh, any of the over 30,000 people that are buried there. Uh, And people really do come to see it as kind of a respite from the city who people walk there, they walk their dogs, kids learn to ride their bikes. And at the same time, like I deal with uh, burial planning, cemetery lot sales and coordinating funerals. Yeah, so what you mentioned is it being a you know a respite from city life. I think that's like um, you know we were talking a couple of weeks ago, and you were talking about like kind of the use of the cemetery. Like right now during the pandemic, um, obviously a lot of people are looking to get out and get it be somewhat active, but stay away from each other. But I think you were saying that um, the history that there's some more history there to that as well as just in general, there wasn't a lot of green space back in the day um, in, in Philadelphia. Yeah. Originally, uh, 
in the early days of Philadelphia and colonialism and into the early to mid 1800s, green space and public parks really weren't considered a need. They weren't part of the urban environment and they weren't civic priorities. So the first kind of publicly accessible green spaces in Philadelphia and really across the country were these uh, rural cemeteries, which at the time were really kind of considered to be outside of the city center, outside of the real congested areas, and were where families and people would kind of flock to for picnics and to take walks on the weekend and visit friends and family. Um, and as people purchase family lots, uh, generations would be buried all in the same place. And so you would go visit family members that were there and you would make a whole day of it. So from picnics to flower gardening in headstones themselves and these kind of headstones called cradle graves, there was a lot of different ways people spent time in cemeteries. Um, once public parks really became more popular and more part of urban environments and culture, going and spending time in cemeteries became less popular, but um, you're really seeing a resurgence of it today across the country, actually, once uh, public parks and public areas are kind of starting to be closed because of COVID. Emma, I got a question for you. Yeah. Are you worried with no one at the cemetery now for a couple weeks, who knows how long, that zombies are going to rise and use this as a chance to take take over. And what is the plan to combat that if it happens? Yeah, so we have actually had conversations about this. It's kind of a debate going on um, within the office at the staff about whether or not the Woodlands is the worst or the best place to be during a zombie apocalypse. And we decided that at least for the staff, we do such a good job of trying to take care of everyone who's buried there. <laughs> that they would actually turn into our protectors. So you're um, in an alliance with the zombies against the rest of us. Yeah. Neutral party. Neutral party. Yeah. No, that's a good, from all the outside that, Philadelphia so, zombies. Yeah, so, but that's, that's um, that kind of speaks to a question I had in terms of, like, did you have reservations about working in a cemetery? Like, I'm assuming this is your first cemetery job. Is that right? Yes, that's true. Did you have any reservations? Um, so, Emma was always a graveyard girl, I have a feeling, but I'll let you answer. <laughs> um, it definitely was not where I saw my career path taking me. Uh, I saw initially the job opening to do kind of public programs and community events at a space that was really outdoors focused. And I jumped at the chance to do that. And I figured since it's not a funeral home, we're not dealing with that side of the death industry. And so I was like, oh, it's no big deal every once in a while I'll have to deal with burials and selling plots and things like that. And honestly, like it comes in waves. So sometimes I can honestly forget that I work at a cemetery. And then there are days like today when we're kind of coming up with emergency plans of how to handle the potential increase in a lot of uh, at need business at the cemetery. Mm -hmm. so uh, it's been interesting. It was not part of the plan. Yeah. More, more seriously. Has has there ever been a situation where you felt something a little eerie, like maybe there is some sort of spirit trying to communicate with me at the cemetery? Um, so there's a lot of wildlife at the cemetery, and so I haven't dealt with any spiritual communications um, myself. I definitely 
hear a lot of rustling of the raccoon and fox and groundhog varieties. Uh, especially if I'm there at night, it can be particularly eerie. But honestly, it's scarier outside of the cemetery than it is inside a lot of the times. That's a very good what, question, Omar. We have people what, wanting to come do paranormal investigations. We have to turn them away pretty regularly. Oh, really? And yeah, why would you turn them away? Oh, uh, we don't really allow... We don't allow paranormal investigations to happen at the cemetery. Um, we You're hiding just something. Don't... <laughs> I don't believe we're hiding something, but if we are, we want to keep it our secret. Okay. Yeah, well, so what, what kind of animals, you, you mentioned a couple, but what, what kind of animals are like most prevalent there? So there's... A really, really wide variety of animals that you can find in the cemetery. Um, what's great is there are some, especially at our cemetery, there are some areas that don't get maintained as much as other sections. So we have some areas that are more overgrown and more meadowy, and that ends up being a really good urban environment for a, a real diversity of different animals. But the most common that we have are more typical that you have in the city, like squirrels and but then we also have a fox. We have a few Cooper's hawks and red tail hawks that live on the woodlands. Um, we also have a very large population of groundhogs, uh, raccoons. We have seen at night and uh, we're a really good migratory stop for a lot of birds because of how many tall trees we have and really big old growth trees. Um, they create a lot of good stops on migration for birds. So we do a ton of birding programs, and then we have snakes and way too many bugs. <laughs> Basically, anything you can think of. Is there a? I know you mentioned all the or some of the events you guys have on a regular basis. Do you have a favorite event that you would really recommend to our listeners? So I have a few favorite events. Um, my first favorite event is probably Hollywoodlands. We it's our Halloween movie night that we do in early October each year. You can make s'mores and kind of hang out in the cemetery, watch a movie. It's very good fun. Um, and then the other best event is probably our Gobble Wobble 5K. And I complain about it a lot because I have to dress up as a turkey and be the official turkey of the Gobble Wobble 5K run, but I secretly really like it. So that is my <laughs> other favorite event. It's well, so that's why I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to say there was the turkeys, because I, I knew about the Gobble Wobble, and I thought that oh, there was yeah. like turkey. Is there turkeys there or no? So we Hold it right there, Emma. Hold turkey. it right there. Hold it right there. It's time for an ad from our sponsor. Are you ever in the mood for something sweet, but know a candy bar isn't good for you? Wish there was something sweet yet natural? Do we have a solution for you? Produced by Malice Domestica and Citrus Domestica, these ancient trees produce sweet, flavorful, round objects. They are conflict-free, GMO-free, certified organic, free-range, fertilizer-free, pesticide-free, GMO-free. 
additive free, no trans fat, cholesterol free, no sugar added, no high fructose corn syrup, made in a nut free facility, a milk free facility, an egg free facility, no artificial colors, no artificial flavors, carbon negative, carbon neutral is neoliberal nonsense, allergy free, lactose free, soy free, Yes, I'm talking about apples and oranges in a crate. If you go to applesandorangesinacrate.com, you can get apples and oranges delivered to your door. And if you order right now and use the code plastic cups inside paper cups inside plastic cups, you will get 10% off and a free delivery. What a deal. And further, you don't even have to peel your oranges. Now, back to our regular program. All right, so we're back, and we were about to get the answer about whether there are turkeys at the the woodlands before um, our our you know we gotta we gotta we gotta keep the lights on. The, um, the overhead is incredibly high here at pla- uh, plastic cups inside paper cups inside plastic cups. So Emma, what's the story on turkeys? So the story is there have been turkeys, but they don't actually live in the woodlands. Uh, I believe the turkeys actually live farther down at our neighbors at Bartram's Garden, but every once in a while, they decide they want to get a taste of Penn's campus, and they move up the Schuylkill River along the railroad tracks through West Philly up into the woodlands. So occasionally, we'll see a few ladies following around one or two big, beefy, uh, plucky wild turkeys and let me tell you they don't like it when you get too close and try to take their picture they're mean they can be a little mean yep oh um so um a, a question i had is that going back to kind of like the you know back in the, the, the day when there was less green space or i guess you were saying that you know where what well, is now um west philly which is you know, an urban area was pretty much outside the city back in the day. Um, but what is, I'm just curious about, um, you know, overall and like your, your, um, research of cemeteries and the knowledge you have, like, the, is there a different, or like the way that people think about like cemeteries and, you know, uh, the afterlife and things like that different than, than what, what we, how we think about things now? So in terms of the afterlife, I don't know for sure, but Victorian death practices, like in the mid-1800s, when uh, this type of cemetery was really popular, were very different from how they were today. Um, You can actually Google Victorian death portraits, and people would set their loved ones up in like costumes and do have formal pictures taken with the recently deceased. And so there were also kind of death parades where you would have your funeral in your house and then there would be a parade from your home to the cemetery and so the overall practice about it was very different from how it is today and people treated death more as um it would be more of a party more of a celebration of life um and then people would really kind of rally around each other and it would be a true event that would then kind of go from your home from the person's life to the person's new home in the cemetery So today it's really interesting. We actually have to remind people that we are a cemetery pretty regularly and we have a lot of what we're calling COVID tourists these days coming to the woodlands who are people 
who are just looking for green space kind of out of desperation and are coming to the woodlands for the first time during this pandemic. And so our new tagline is treat this place like your grandma's buried here. Um, That's what we've been using on some marketing pieces. So it's like a very interesting transition from people caring and considering it to be a place of death and solemn uh, reflectiveness to kind of forgetting that it was even a cemetery, despite the fact that you're surrounded by headstones. Hmm. I like I like that sign. It's a good sign. Uh, who's the most interesting person buried there? Or do you have a favorite? I do have a favorite. My favorite is Dr. Williams, Williams Keene, W.W. Keene Jr., I believe. I think he was a junior. And he was a surgeon who lived in New York, and he is famous because he removed, he's the first person to, I believe, successfully remove a brain tumor. And he removed a tumor the size of a quarter from the roof of President Grover Cleveland's mouth. And he did it uh, over Fourth of July weekend in the sea under uh, secrecy on a Navy ship uh, when they traveled from New York up to the Cape Cod area in Massachusetts. So the president, it was right at the edge of a financial collapse in the country, and so Grover Cleveland didn't want the country to know that he could potentially die from this cancerous tumor in his mouth, and so he got on a like big boat and had a surgeon remove it under the cover of night and he ended up surviving and no one knew about the fact that he had this surgery and that he ever had a tumor at all until 20 years after his death ww keen kept the secret of the surgery uh until 1928 how did they find out in 1928 so keen was still living and he wrote about it in a diary and he ended up publishing it That tumor, I learned recently, is actually in the Mütter Museum's collection at the College of Physicians at 22nd and Chestnut. Whoa, so that's crazy. Um, Just for the the people outside of Philly, is it Mütter or Mutter? Because I guess I've been there. Mütter. The Mütter Museum is a museum of, uh, what would you say, scientific and medical rarities and curiosities? Uh, Like two massive elephantitis penis and organs and jars is i don't know is that a fair representation so it's um was founded in the 1700s and it's one of the oldest uh, medical societies and they exist to promote medical heritage Mm. so basically they have just as different researchers and surgeons and doctors who have been fellows of the college over the years have donated all of their best items. Um, they created a museum to put them on display. So yes, a lot of jars, a lot of organs, a lot of skulls, um, very interesting stuff. Yeah. So I don't recommend going there after, uh, being hung over and eating a bunch of, uh, cheesesteaks. So, uh, that's what me and my friends did one time and we were like, all right, maybe this is a bad, bad idea. Yes. Definitely <laughs> do not go after a meal. Yeah. So speaking of meals, um, you've been doing a lot of cooking for yes. this pandemic, you know, lockdown. Lots and lots of cooking. Keeping my skills sharp, not my knives, though. And what have you been cooking? 
this week, for the past few days, I made spaghetti and meatballs. I made miso braised collard greens with bacon and mushrooms. I made chicken salad. And I made um, Thai lemongrass grilled chicken thighs. Whoa. And how's it, has cooking felt different during COVID-19 times than before? Has it been a different experience? Yes and no. I would say different in the sense that I'm doing so much more of it. I cook probably about two times a day, every day, um, every once in a while. I've started to cook... um, smaller meals actually as opposed to larger full meals because I really do enjoy the process of cooking like kind of having that as part of the schedule of meal time and have there to be this opportunity for me to have a creative outlet like I'm not the type of person who likes to run I don't have I don't like do a lot of art stuff these days and so really my creative outlet is through cooking and so being able to kind of continue to have that as part of my daily routine has been really great for kind of keeping sane during the past few weeks of being in the house. It is also keeping Dave very happy. So. Yeah. So what's he's, what, what exactly, because Dave, your husband does not cook at all, if I understand correctly. And so what's he contributing? He does a lot of the dishes and he has been very helpful uh grocery shopping so i used to be the type of person who would grocery shop like every two or three days for things as i needed them as opposed to kind of big trips which we're making now where we're trying to buy enough food for like two to three weeks so he is definitely contributing in the ways that he can and in a way that has been very appreciated um so he's he's um, sending it you're sending him out into the wild to bring back the food and then you cook it oh no we go together he puts the cart and he helps me (laughs) clean everything (laughs) he helps i don't do a good enough job of speaking up for myself so he makes sure there's a six foot barrier of other people around me at all times he like he's he's like a border collie he like shepherds me through the grocery store i was gonna say more like uh you know like somebody blocking on the offensive line of a border collie it's maybe more appropriate (laughs) a little bit of both yeah what have you guys been cooking omar i hear you're vegan what yes yeah uh a lot of, lot of beans, vegetables. I have my freezer pretty well stacked, so I don't have to, if it, you know, on the weekend and sometimes at night, I'll do something a little more extensive, but usually just unfreeze a bunch of stuff and throw it on the stove. What, what led to the decision to becoming vegan and giving up what I believe is maybe one of your favorite foods, which is grilled cheese? Yeah, uh, well, that... That'll be a longer, that'll be its own episode one of these days. But, uh, <laughs> the cheese episode. episode. <laughs> oh, sign me up for the cheese episode. I'm uh, there. Yeah, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be a longer episode. But yeah, so I've given up some of my favorite foods, pizza, grilled cheese, mac and cheese. But sometimes you have to give something up to get something better. So it's true. what about you, Dennis? What have you been making? 
Uh, yeah, no, like the, um, the the cooking is just better. Like I think we're doing more cooking or like more enjoyable cooking because the, you know, we're not commuting. So it's like we get done and I, I've been, you know, trying to make a point of being done, um, at like five, five thirty six instead of like six, six thirty seven, And then there's no commute. So I feel like just both me and Bo are more in the mood to be like, Hey, yeah, we're going to, we're going to make th- some food. And it's like a little bit more, like there's more time for that. And so it's like more enjoyable instead of being, come home, commute home, run or do some workout and then try to cook and then be done by a certain time. That's like not nine o'clock or something. So I just think it's, um, been better for, you know, kind of the family time, if you will. Um, so yeah, we've been cooking a lot of stuff. We cook, um, tortellini, uh, tonight. Um, that was kind of a quick meal, but we cooked jerk chicken, which is one of my specialties, um, last night. Um, cooked a bunch of that. So we have, you know, lunch the next day and maybe the next day. Um, I don't know. What did we cook before? Like, like, I don't know. The, the days and days and weeks are running into each other at this point, but we made some like good tacos. I know we made the chickpea salad that, that, um, Emma has on the recipe for, from uh soup kitchen. So that was, that was good with our overall kind of the, the kebabs that I like to make on the grill. Lots of grilling. Can't wait for a grill. Omar, have you been using your grill? No, I mean, it's just starting to get warm enough. And it's always warm enough to grill. I guess. And uh, since I don't really eat meat anymore, I guess I'm less excited. I guess I know you can grow vegetables. And oh, but enough, that's but... the thing. Like, I, I, veg- grilled vegetables are take vegetables to a whole other level right emma yeah i would have to say so i mean i feel like you need the right vegetable i feel like it's kind of hard we're still in that awkward period of hearty like root vegetables and squash and stuff like that we haven't really transitioned over to all the good stuff what's the best what's the best vegetable to grow well i really like zucchini I, I like zucchini. I like I like onions and peppers, but I feel like those are like kind of traditional. I would say that the the the, the best thing we've started grilling. Well, it's been a while, but like grilled broccoli is a game changer for broccoli. Like it takes. I like broccoli in general, even like steamed broccoli with some olive oil and lemon on it. But like grilled broccoli, uh, either with like kind of like a balsamic vinaigrette or a uh, like a soy sauce uh, uh, marin like seasoning. Oh, that's like a game changer for broccoli. Oh, also cauliflower. You can slice the whole head and make like cauliflower steaks and you can marinate that and then just kind of grill the whole thing like a steak or like like you would a steak instead of breaking it up into little florets. Um, But I will say my favorite thing to grill is not actually a vegetable and it's not meat. Pineapple on the grill is the greatest thing ever. How does how does it change the taste? I assume it's less so, sweet after you grill it. It's actually more sweet, I think, oh. and it's yeah, like a little smoky. Mm-hmm. So it gets really kind of brown and crispy where it's touching the grill, and it just gets really, really tasty. So Emma, we originally had scheduled this for Wednesday, um, but 
uh, you uh, realized you had some uh, a pr- other uh, probably more important uh, social engagement or virtual social engagement. So what are you doing tomorrow night? Tomorrow is my family's digital Seder. So it's the first night of Passover and I have to zoom in with my family to check in for Passover. So are you going to be cooking some food that you would normally cook for, for I, that? I honestly am not. I don't have a good plan um, oh. for what I'm going to do. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to keep it really consistent with most of my Passover consumption and drink a lot of red wine. Um, <laughs> but I don't even have Bloody Mary mix, which is another staple at my family. We always have Bloody Marys also. Um but no, I'm doing a pretty poor ass job of getting Passover together. Um, but I won't eat bread, so I'll be there in spirit. <laughs> All right. Well, Omar, do we have any more questions for Emma? I think that's <laughs> I think that's it for me. But thank you so much for joining us, Emma. Really appreciate you being. Oh, we thought yeah. we thought long and hard about who we wanted to be the first guest on plastic cups inside paper cups inside plastic cups, and it was definitely you. So thank you so much for yeah. coming on. Well, so we got to ask, what's what's your segment called? Is it cemetery talk? Or no, no, yeah, cemetery talk or graveyard girl? It's gonna have to go with cemetery talk. Sorry, Omar. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man, I, I was so happy when. I, Graveyard girl popped in my head earlier today, but that's oh, all right. Sorry. It's all great. right. Thanks again. It's been an on. honor. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Take care. Take care. You too. Bye. Man, that well, that was a great conversation with Emma. Very informative. She was pretty tight-lipped about paranormal activity at the cemetery, but that's what I expected. But great conversation. Well, yeah, I, I understand that. I, I went on a ghost hunt uh, once. I actually, I, and I wrote an article while I was working for, uh, interning for the city paper, Philadelphia city paper, and paranormal, but, you know, your mileage might vary, but paranormal uh, people, people are a bit crazy, um, and they don't want a bunch of people messing around and wandering around and freaking people out in the cemetery when they're trying to make it a, a, a you know, an intelligent and you know family friendly setting which is odd to say when you think about a cemetery but the woodlands is um you know we've been there for that that movie night that she mentioned uh, the holly hollywood or holly weird night and then the the gobble wobble i've ran so i don't know yeah it's a, it's it's a, it's a cool spot it's like not what you would think of when you think of a cemetery yeah yeah it's definitely Great green space in the city. Everyone should go visit. Once once this COVID-19 stuff is all settled down, everyone should go check it out. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, last week you mentioned that, you know, it's a great way to support local businesses. You did a brewery run and got some beer from a bunch of local breweries in Philly. Uh, did you have a favorite beer uh, from them? Yeah, so I hit a couple. I've actually now hit three different ones in the past couple of weeks. And so, to be clear, we're doing like curbside pickup. So I hit Triple Bottom. And so all, all of these are in Philadelphia. So Triple Bottom, which is on Spring Garden, um, and about like 9th 
8th Street, 9th Street. Um, and triple bottom, they're called that, by the way, because they have like a triple bottom line, which is like, and I'm not going to be able to repeat it perfectly, but it's like, you know, the bottom triple bottom line is like, um, they employ people who kind of are kind of turning their lives around and they're supporting something else and something else. So it's like a, a, a brewery that's organized, like it's organizing principles around kind of like contributing back to society. And then there's human robot, which is, up um, in kind of Kensington area and, uh, uh, love city brewing, which is in the Callow Hill, like warehouse district. So, um, I don't know. I'm actually quite impressed with, I, I think that, you know, human robot and triple bottom are, are both really good. Um, these are all pretty like fairly new ones, new breweries in Philly. I would say human robot overall. I, I think I like their beer a little bit more and they do, um, they do like loggers and like pilsners, um, and you know, like a Czech pilsner. So like, like very kind of session beers, kind of like very like more like thirst quenching beers. And I don't know, I'm just kind of into that a bit more than I used to be. Um, and so I, I kind of been digging their beers, but I have to say that Love City um, has really stepped up their game from their early days. And um, I don't have the name of the beer offhand, but they're one of their hazy IPAs that you can get in a crawler right now um, is uh, really good, actually. So, but I, I think I would right now put my my I would um, vote for Human Robot uh, as the one that's like kind of standing out for me right now. So. Yeah, it's been cool that you know we drive up, you drive up and just they have it sitting on like at Triple Bottom they they like actually like you just go down the sidewalk and they pass it through the window. These big they have these big like bay windows there, so it's kind of cool. Cool, cool. I've never I've never been to Human Robot. I actually I've never even heard of it. There's so many breweries in Philly, which is cool nowadays. It's hard to keep track. Uh, but yeah, hazy IPAs I think are my favorite. That's what I. I've been drinking lately, just these victory hazy IPAs. Something new we're thinking about trying on the podcast are quotes of the week. And coincidentally, we both had pretty similar quotes for this week. Yeah, when you said this, I, I thought initially it sounded like a really good idea. And then I was like, well, do I have one? And then um, I actually I don't think I walk around quoting people very often but I did use a quote in conversation recently. Um, and so I was like, well, I'll, I'll, I, I have this idea. And then I was like, well, we talked for a second before the podcast and, and you were like, and I was like, well, what's yours, you know? And cause I didn't want to have, I was like, maybe mine's too serious and they end up being very similar. Um, so yeah. Wh why don't you start with yours? Cause now I'm, now I'm very curious you you started just saying the beginning of it i'm like well that's a, that's almost the same spirit of what i had in mind but but curious what yours is like and who the source is because i don't think i knew the, the name okay so this is epictetus discourses which is from about the first century a.d he was a roman philosopher the wait, chief what's his name again wait so, sorry sorry what's it sorry i to interrupt you what's his name again no problem epictetus oh, okay and the name of the book is Discourses. The chief task in life is simply this, to identify and separate matters so that I can say clearly to myself which are externals and not under control and which are under my control. And that's basically it. 
For my sake, can you say it one more time? Sure. The chief task in life is simply this, to identify and separate matters that are under my control and which externals are not under my control. Hmm. And and so what is this from, roughly? What so era? this is from roughly the first century AD. Wow. So how'd you come across this? I've just been reading a decent amount of philosophy lately, and Epictetus, his, I'd say over the last 10 years, has kind of been rediscovered a bit. Stoic philosophy, which is the school of philosophy he belongs to, has become more popular. And uh, so, yeah, I picked up, I picked up this book, Discourses. And it, you know, has a lot of practical ad advice like that. It's a lot about identifying what's under, in your control, what's not in your control, and just focusing on what is in, what is in your control and working towards that. And you know, there's a little bit of a danger in it in that you don't want to you don't want to get carried away with saying things aren't under my control. But I think if you're serious about it and focused, then it, it actually frees you up to use your energy for what you can change as opposed to just being upset about what you can't change. Yeah, that's yeah, no, it's that's interesting. So so let's let's come back to that. But I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what mine was. Um, and so I had no idea, actually, what the origin of this was. Um, um, but so it's the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity, accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Um, and so um, this came up in the course of having some conversations with my father, who Right now, he, he's an executive director of a community action agency. One runs a lot of uh, program, pro programs in the community, uh, things like weatherization to help improve the energy efficiency of people's homes and food, um, like food pantries and, you know, Head Start for, for uh, like preschool for underprivileged kids. And so uh, he's dealing with a lot of like uncertainty around the um you know, where are the funding? Because they get funding from all these different government organizations. Like, where is the funding coming from? What's the recommendation for their employees? Should they send them home? When should they send them home? Should they pay them? Can they afford to pay them? Will they get reimbursed and all these crazy things? And he's been, he was super stressed out for a while. And this, you know, that <laughs> I don't go walking around, um, you know, citing, I guess, so the origin of this is alcohol, the guy, the guy who, um, was is he was he uh i'm looking at his name but uh, his name was reinhold nieber um but i guess it yeah i'm trying to figure out whether he was um the guy who created um no i guess it just became popularized by the alcoholics anonymous i, I always thought it, i just assumed it was a, an old like uh biblical thing <laughs> um i had no idea did you know this and its origin yeah, as soon as you said it to me, I knew it was AA. I've uh, definitely I can't I can't specify which movie, but I've definitely seen it in movies where they're reciting this. I think it may have been in He Can't He Can't Get Far on Foot and probably some other movies. But yeah, I'm I've also I've also read 
about it. It's referenced in a book I read last year called Stillness is the Key uh, as the Serenity Prayer. I'm not sh- I- I'm not sure if it was cut. If they came up with it specifically for AA, or if it was just yeah, so co-opted. I, yeah, it, so I, I, I just did a little quick um, uh, Wikipedia research, and it was it was created by this this Reinhold Niebuhr fella, um, born eight, eighteen ninety two, died nineteen seventy one. But it, it was uh, he created it, but it was just kind of adopted by them. So um, I don't know. But anyway, I was just like saying that because I was like. To, to my dad, like, because I was like, oh, you know, you, you gotta, some of these things, like there's things going on in the world right now that are at such a grand, uh, yeah. happening at such a grand scale that, um, you know, you can't, you, you have to kind of like be like some of the stuff's just going to come in the, out in the wash or going to be decided above my pay, you know, your pay grade or my pay grade. So you kind of yeah. have to, to a degree, go with the flow. So it's, it's funny though. Like as soon as you said that, like that, that it was like the sentiment is, is very same, right? Very similar, yeah. right? Yeah, I'd say it's pretty much the same exact idea as what Epictetus was saying 2000, 2000 yeah, years and, ago. Yeah, which this, you know, if I did a little more research, maybe I'd find out this this dude, um, this dude, um, Carl, Paul, Reinhold, Niebuhr, um, you know, uh, maybe he kind of, was into that but you you said something else is interesting is that you kind of have to be careful um of that so you like like to, so you don't fall into like the trap of like um acting like you can't change these things and so therefore you shouldn't do anything right because that's like leads to that path leads to not you know being active and engaged and and doing things to change your, your situation. Um, to me, there's like, like there's a thread of like Buddhism in this, like where like Buddhism is really like, you can't change anything around you. And so like the past in Nirvana is that you are, you just kind of like, are like realize that all kind of trying to change, like uh, pain and suffering comes from your desire to change the world and everything around you. And which that seems to lead to a path of total, like just unplugging. So I think like, that's like, I think a valid or in common criticism of Buddhism of like, sure, you can pretend like all this doesn't matter, but it it freaking does. If you have to pay the rent and you have to like get, get your job done or whatever it may be. So I think that that's what you're saying. Like you have to be, you have to be balanced in that approach of, of stoicism versus, you know, being, realistic about what what's like under your control and then trying to just you know not get too buried by everything yeah ideally these these quotes we're using these sentiments are so you can free your energy and focus to what what you can change not it shouldn't be used as at least i don't think it should be used as as a reason not to try and make changes, but as a way to say, okay, these are things that I can't control. Like, you know, something in the past, you can't change the past. That's kind of the easiest example, but there are other things that are out of your control. So you focus your energy on what you can't control. And I think that's kind yeah. of the, the best way to read both quotes. Yeah. We have. Very cool. Um, so I don't know. That leads me to something. It gives me some ideas for next the next episodes, but I'll save that um, 
because I think we're we're getting a little long in the tooth at this point. But do you have anything else? Um, any short witticisms or updates on your 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 situation or anything like that? Uh, that's about all all I got for today. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And don't forget about the mailbag. Yeah, don't forget about the mailbag. We'd love to get some mailbag questions. We got some mailbag emails, which were great, but there wasn't any actual questions in there. So actual questions would be great. Wait, Uh, what, they just said hello? Not just hello. There was a little bit of a diatribe slash spiel. to describe it. (laughs) No actual questions. Yeah, we're looking for... Yeah, we want want to see, see a question mark. Tight questions, you know, yeah. tight questions. It can anything from, you know, how to complete some basic household tasks. Um, I replaced my garbage disposal a couple of years ago. So, you know, that's something I could tackle, you know, ranging to more philosophical things like we were just talking about. So, yeah, but it's got to be a question. Like yeah. that's what the mailbag's for. And again, we prefer if you email them. It's OK if you mail them. But. Don't knock on Omar's door and ask him a question directly. It's just not the time or place for that kind of thing. So I hope people heed those uh, words of caution. Yeah, and I might have a tiger here, so don't don't come over. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's call it a night there. Um, how about how about? Um, well, we'll we'll I'll see see you, Omar. We got you got a birthday coming up, so um, we'll, we'll we'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay. Shaggy Dad walking down. He walked all around. Shaggy Dad, where you been? I've been walking. See my friend. Knocked on the door. She won't let me in. That's the reason. Last one day, he got lost, jumped on alligator, thought it was a
Thank you.